insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. In our last study, we began this most exciting subject. This final but not the least, this last but not the least important part of the four square Jesus, the four square gospel, Jesus as the soon coming king. We took two, four scriptures, and in those four scriptures, we established beyond any shadow of doubt that Jesus is coming soon. He said he was coming soon. The early church was obsessed with that fact. They were singularly and insanely focused on his coming. They turned the word Maranatha into a greeting, a declaration, and a prayer. Everything they did revolved around the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were able to endure untold hardships, great persecutions, with joy, because they were insanely focused on His coming. We established beyond the shadow of doubt that the earth has a time span, has a limited time left. And that life and the world as we know it will soon come to an end. We established that already. We established the fact that Jesus wanted his early disciples to be concerned and to be focused on his return. Now, let me begin by saying this. I came to Christ almost 40 years ago as a young man, as as a teenager. And when I came to Christ, it was a season where we were focused on the separation of the church from the world, on the pursuit of holiness, on the pursuit of revival, separation from carnality, and the world way of looking at things and doing things. But then as we advanced, as we grew in the faith and in the ministry, we began to focus more on earthly realities. Realities. We began to focus more on the material things, the prosperity, the financial prosperity, the, the, the mental prosperity, the happiness, the joy, and, and stuff of that nature. Focused on the things of the earth, which may not be wrong in itself, but is incomplete at best. And so we began to ignore the second coming of Christ, which, which, which came with the unfortunate consequence that even I, as a preacher, in full-time ministry for over 30 years, is doing this series for the first time in my life. Now, let's say this. Jesus, you know, I came back into a radical love affair with Jesus a little over 10 years ago after my mind and my heart had grown progressively detached from the things of heaven, from the real things of the Spirit, but focus on using the power of God to bless people only in the physical plane. I began to see Jesus again in the fullest of his capacity as a son of a living God. A book came out of that experience, which I have also taught on this program called Jesus, Our Magnificent Obsession, 365. And now again, I'm beginning to come alive to Jesus, not just as savior from sin, or just Jesus as a healer of our broken bodies and minds, or Jesus as a baptizer in the Holy Spirit, but I'm beginning to look at Jesus as the soon-coming king. When I had my reawakening, one of the things that became so evident to me was how far we are from the simple promises, simple commandments of Jesus. I'll give you an example. Jesus taught us not to seek high things. Jesus taught us not to want to be leaders, 
not to want to be the important people, the most important people. He gave us such simple instructions as if you go to an event, if you you are invited to an occasion, do not take the highest seat in the house. Take the lowest. It's better for you to be called, invited to come to the high table, as opposed to you taking the high place and then being asked to leave for someone who was considered more important than you. In many chapters of the church, we have completely ignored this teaching because now men are seeking to promote themselves. Men are seeking to promote their egos. Even in the ministry, men are being heaped with all kinds of grandiose titles. Jesus taught us not to even desire those things, but to desire him. Because everyone cannot be a reverend. Everyone will not be an apostle. Everyone called to the ministry cannot be an apostle. And so when we don't seek the promotion, God puts the people he wants to put at the head of a table. And those who, who need to be at the bottom of the table can be there and their lives can be rich. Their lives can be full. Their lives can be as colorful, as purposeful, and as meaningful as God intended for it to be. For we do not need any of these accolades to actually have fulfilling lives. The pursuit of self-importance is, is very dangerous and Uh, very destructive to real spiritual life. Every time I read my Bible and I read the Gospels, I see how far the church has strayed from the real gospel of Jesus Christ. When I see our attitude towards sin, our attitude towards physical sicknesses, the difference, the the distance between where Jesus wants wants us to be and where we truly are is alarming. Now, when we come to the subject of his coming, of his return, Jesus left us two cardinal principles, which again, as we have approached so many other subjects, we definitely ignore. Now, Jesus wants us to be conscious of his coming. He wants us looking for his coming. But he warned us very strongly to forget about timelines. He warned us to not focus on the timeline. In fact, he said to us, No angel knows the timelines. So if any angel appears to you telling you they know the timeline, you know they're not coming from God. That's a rebellious angel, and God cannot forgive rebellion. If any any, any so-called Christ appears to you and tells you this is the timeline, Jesus is coming on a certain day, you know you are being a subject of deception. He said, rather, we must focus on the assignment. We must focus on our purpose. So that's the first cardinal instruction from Jesus. Do not focus on timelines. Do not try to predict his coming, the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of the world global government. Those things do not be consumed with timelines. Be rather consumed with your purpose, with your assignment, with the details of the instructions I've given you. Be concerned rather on preaching the gospel with power, on bearing witness to the supremacy of Christ, to the deity of Christ, to the divinity of Christ. Be rather focused on proving that Christ is God in human flesh. Christ is the son of God. Christ is the only way to salvation. But what have we done? Many in in the body of Christ throughout the ages, not just yesterday, not just modern time, I'll show you in a short, in a short while. Many are fixated on the, 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 the coming of the Lord, the timelines. Two years ago, a friend of mine from Plettenberg Bay sent me a video, wanted my opinion on it. 
The gentleman in this video was very intelligent. He had PhDs in theological studies. He was an expert on Hebrew and, you know, very impressive intellectually. He was very excited about what he was saying. He was very convinced. I began to have second doubts from the very moment, but my second doubts, my doubts were strengthened by the way he spoke to people who don't believe in him. He was condescending. He was insulting. He was rude. He was, he had a mocking tone. And you, there, there are very few places in the subjects of that, the subjects covered in the body of Christ where people are despised more than in the area of the coming of Christ. Those who believe, for example, that we will go before the rapture are tempted to despise those who believe we will go after the rapture or the great tribulation will precede the rapture or we come after the rapture. And those who believe it will be in the middle, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, all of them despise the other people. That is not what Jesus told us to do. We must not be focused on timelines. We must be focused on our assignment, the details of our assignment, the provisions for the assignment, the abilities, the giftings that we need to carry out that assignment, and then we must be fixated on fulfilling that assignment and completing that instruction one. The second instruction Jesus gave us is, be forever eternally prepared. Be prepared if it happens in the morning, in the noontime, in the evening. At midnight, be prepared. I'll show you these two principles as we proceed. This is why the early church literally expected him to return in their lifetimes. Were they wrong? They were not wrong. That's what he wanted us to do. Do not be fixated on timelines. Be fixated on the assignment, but be fixated in the reality that is coming. Revelations 22, 20. Revelations 22.20. I've read mostly from the King James Version, and I'll continue. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. He which testifies of these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You see, the, the, the ways of God is not the same as the ways of man. This is why theologians have argued for millennia about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. This is why atheists have convinced themselves there cannot be a God. Because one of the arguments of the atheist is, if God knows everything that's going to happen, then he has predestined those who will be saved and those who will not be saved. And so why even try? Why should I try to be saved? Why should I try to get somebody saved? Am I be trying to get someone saved who is not predestined to be saved? Because if God knew that they would not be saved, why does he ask me to evangelize them? And if God already knew they would not be saved, why are they responsible for their choices? In the mind of a carnal man, that is a contradiction of terms, not in the mind of God. The two things can be true at the same time. Man can be, can be responsible for his choices and God can be sovereign. Sovereign in knowledge, sovereign in purpose. In the economy of God, there's no contradiction. So one wise man many, many years ago said, when you approach the gates of heaven, you will see on, on the door, whosoever will may come 
And when you cross in because you chose to follow Jesus, you turn back and you look at the door behind you and you see you are the elect of God. So the Bible talks about the, the vessels of mercy and the vessels of wrath in, in, in Romans 11. The vessels of mercy are predestined for salvation and the vessels of wrath are reserved for destruction. So Jesus tells us, I want you fixated on the fact that I'm coming quickly. Be completely, insanely obsessed with it. Sleep with it. Eat with it. Think it. Sing it in music. Meditate on it nonstop. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. But do not establish timelines. Focus on the assignment. Focus on what I've given you to prepare you for that assignment. It's just like the Bible says, to run our race with patience. If you are running, you are not patient. If you are patient, you are not running. But in God's economy, you run patiently. So God has chosen those who will be saved, and yet God holds everybody accountable for their own salvation to some extent. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you are not willing, you will be destroyed. In, in the message translation, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will live like kings. If you are not, you will die like dogs. And remember, God is not a democrat. Your opinions are great, but your opinions don't matter more than a hill of beans when it comes to eternal realities. So the Lord says, I'm coming quickly. The Lord says, be fixated on it and do not be fixated on the timeline. What have we done largely as a body of Christ? Certain aspects of the body of Christ fixate on the timing. And certain other aspects of Christ say, well, the people who fixated on the timing have been wrong time and time again. So we will ignore the subject completely. And what is our excuse? We say those who choose to ignore the subject, they say we just choose to focus on the work. A very big mistake. I said to a friend of mine in Johannesburg in the month of September 2022, when we spoke about the coming of the Lord, say, you know, I just want to focus on the work. I said, well, that means Jesus didn't know what he was talking about when he told us, I'm coming quickly, and then think about it all the time. Now, the next question I want to ask is this. Did Jesus know that he was not going to come in the lifetime of the early church? There's a scripture that, that seems to suggest that Jesus did not know. But let me tell you something. Every time you see what you think is a contradiction in scriptures, please imagine or consider the fact that the confusion and the contradiction is coming from your mind, not from the Lord. Let's look at that scripture, Matthew 10, 23. Matthew 10, 23. Jesus told us, I'm coming quickly. But don't establish timelines. His commandments are very simple. But be focused on my coming. Let it guide you. Let it shape your thoughts. Let it shape your appetites. Let it regulate your heartbeat. Jesus, speaking in Matthew 10, says, verse 22, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. And when they persecute you in this city, flee into another city. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. You will not exhaust the cities of Israel before the Son of Man may come. The King James says in another Another uh, uh, gospel, you will not have 
gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man may come. So did Jesus know he wasn't coming in a lifetime? Yes. Because not one person would have gone through the cities of Israel before they would have met Jesus face to face. So he was actually saying, just like when Jesus said, you must forgive seven times, seven times, or 70 times, seven times. That is 490 times in one day. No one can count 490 offenses in one day. No one can offend you that many times in one day. The point is, there's no point counting. There's no point counting. So again, this scripture, Jesus was telling them, there's no point fixing timelines. Just be busy with the serious business of living this Christian life. Living it the way it was designed, the way it was intended. Leave the timelines to God. Leave the timelines to me. Your instruction is be fixated on my coming. Anticipate it happening anytime now. But leave the exact hour, the exact minute, the exact second to me. He did not want you to be completely misguided about the timing. He didn't intend for us to be caught foot, flat-footed. But at the same time, that fixation can be a huge distraction. It can be a source of destruction for the faith of many people. And I, I believe that Jesus is smarter than you and I, and I want to follow Jesus. If you are persecuted, just go from city to city. Just be busy living this gospel. And when you do move from one place on account of persecution, do not go to the next place and stop preaching the gospel. In fact, continue to preach the gospel like the early church in Acts chapter 4. They were persecuted, they were flogged and threatened never to preach in Jesus' name anymore. They went to prayer and said, Lord, give us more boldness to preach and give us more reason to preach. Give us evidence, give us confirmation. Now look at this. So many, so many have attempted to disobey Jesus. So many have attempted to prove him wrong without realizing it because they are misguided. And I believe by Satan, so many, have established timelines. Uh, for example, in 1844, or in the 17th century, a Baptist preacher by the name of William Miller predicted that the second coming of Jesus will happen before March 21, the year 1844. Need I tell you that that did not happen? And when that date passed, what did he do? Instead of repenting, instead of confessing his sin for attempting to do something Jesus did not do and, re, and, 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 and changing his ways, he revised the prediction from March 21 to April 18. After that date also passed, another person derived the date and said it will now be October 22nd, 1844. The failure of those predictions was, was tagged the Millerite Great Disappointment. You would think we would have learned our lesson in, 18, in the 17th century. So when my friend from Plattenberg Bay sent me this video of this highly educated, highly excited, highly arrogant and condescending preacher who was mocking everybody who refused to believe his theories, 
I mean, he had these elaborate theories drawn from the Old Testament prophetic scriptures, woven into the, 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 the shadow of feasts and tabernacles and the history of the Jewish people for millennia. He wove everything up together and came up with a date in 2022 when Jesus will arrive. I said to my friend who sent me the video, this is very simple. Let's just wait until that day. Let's wait until the day. It was 25th of some, I think it was July or August. Don't quote me on that. I said, this is very easy to, 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 to decode. Just wait until the date. And if Jesus shows up, we'll know he was right. If he doesn't show up, we know he was deceived like many, many before him. Needless to say, that day came and went and Jesus is still not returned. On May 27th, 1856, Ellen G. White, the self-declared prophet of a Seventh-day Adventist church, wrote that the translation that people, there were people alive in that meeting who would be translated when Jesus came. Well, everybody in that meeting, including those who were just one day old or one month old, they all died and Jesus did not return. Did Ellen White repent? Did she confess her sin? and turn away from her, her direct disobedience to Jesus who told us, do not be fixed on timelines. I do not think so. There's a vibrant religious movement in her name today. Certain Anabaptists, the William Miller that we spoke about in the first, the first example we gave was a Baptist as well. But certain Anabaptists in the 16th century also taught and believed that Jesus will return in 1533. When the prophecy failed, did they repent? No. There's a common thread here. It seems once Satan convinces you to be fixated on timeline, when you are proven wrong, you just can't, you, you, you have so much invested that you cannot repent. You cannot retrace your steps. So when the prophecy of this certain Anabaptist failed, they become even more zealous. They, they double down. They double down. This is the danger of disobeying the simple commands of Jesus. It hardens the spirit. It makes us susceptible to doctrines of devils and the control of the entire faculties by demonic, very smart, but very, very deadly demonic beings. When the prophecy of the Adam Baptist failed in 1533, they began to claim that Elijah and Enoch had already come in the form of a man by the name of Jan Mathis and Jan Buckelson, that they will send up, set up a new Jerusalem in Munster. What happened? The city of Munster became a frightening dictatorship under the control of this so-called Elijah and Enoch. They expelled Catholics and Lutherans, but because they were already misguided, that whole entire movement went nowhere. In the 1500s, Edwin Sandys, Anglican Archbishop of York and Primate of England, taught, quote, Now as we know, not the day and the time, so let us be assured that this coming of a Lord is near. 
He is not slack as we do count slackness, that it is at hand, it may be probably gathered out of the scriptures in diverse places, the signs mentioned by Christ in the gospel, which should be the foreshowers of his ter- of this terrible day, are almost fulfilled. He was technically right, but essentially wrong. Edwin Sandys taught that if we gather information for scriptures, we can, with some accuracy, predict the time of his coming. So even though he didn't establish a timeline, a date of a, 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 a date and time, he gave further to the thought that we should even be, we should be uh, considering fixing up times. And I'm sure many people followed his advice and came up short again. The Weekly Evangel, the official publication of the Assemblies of God churches, predicted during World War I, and I quote, we are not yet in the Armageddon struggle proper, but we are at its commencement. And it may be, if students of prophecy read the signs aright, that Christ will come before the present war closes and before Armageddon. The war preliminary to Armageddon, it seems, has already started. They were wrong. I do not know if there was an open confession of their wrong. You cannot break scriptures. You cannot go against the commandments of Jesus and prosper. Let us obey Jesus. Let us be fixated on his coming. Let us live as though he's coming tonight. Let us live as though he's coming in a few hours. And if he doesn't come, we'll be waiting tomorrow. Let us live as though he's coming this year. And if he doesn't come this year, we'll be waiting in 2025. That's what he taught us to do. Let's follow Jesus rather than the methods and the wisdom of man. Father, I take out insurance cover for my brothers and sisters that they will not be misguided and deceived by the doctrines of devils surrounding this most important subject in the name of Jesus. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Focus on Freedom Podcast. For more information, please visit olugeorgeministries.global or send a WhatsApp inquiry to plus two seven eight one three double zero double six double three. Also, like, subscribe and share our content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. See you next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.